Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of uh, the acute abdomen, focusing on GU causes. And I left off at this slide here, talking about renal infarction. Renal infarction is something that's relatively uncommon, but it's a critical diagnosis, easily made on CT with IV contrast material. Common causes are trauma, embolism, arterial thrombosis, vasculitis, and acute renal vein thrombosis. Now, with renal infarcts, most commonly it's segmental, but it can be global in extent, can be part of an isolated process or part of multi-system involvement, such as a patient with autoimmune pancreatitis, a patient with endocarditis, a patient with atrial th um, appendage thrombi. Uh, acute and chronic renal infarctions can be seen. Obviously, chronic means it happened previously. And symptoms can range anywhere from no symptoms to acute flank pain to fever to hematuria. As we mentioned, a CT perspective, think focal versus global. Usually due to arterial occlusion is sudden in onset, and sometimes you can actually see the arterial occlusion. As I noted, it can be unilateral or bilateral, mostly depending on the etiology. We talk about a cortical rim sign, which is seen with global infarction, where just from capsular vessels you get enhancement, and the entire kidney is not otherwise enhancing. And chronic renal infarction may be seen simply as a small atrophic kidney. So examples, beautiful example, segmental infarct right kidney when you look a little bit more carefully look at the right renal artery you see the defect in the right renal artery show it to you again look at the right kidney it's segmental the whole kidney is not involved the one would admit the kidney in total does not enhance nearly as well as the left kidney but as you look carefully i'll put an arrow there look at the thrombus in one of the right renal arteries beautiful beautiful example of the patient's um thrombus in the vessel, beautiful example of an acute infarct. And you take that same case, you can see it globally from a uh, position, uh, not that the infarct's global, but I'm showing you a global view of the kidney, a coronal view, and you can see about how half the kidney in this patient has literally infarcted, and I'll show it to you with volume rendering. Just very, very nice example, and showing it to you with MIP. And MIP really, uh, as does volume rendering, show you exactly how much of the kidney is involved, and from small segments to global to kind of, this is the in-between. Another case, look at the patient's spleen. The patient has splenic infarcts, and look at the patient's kidney. There are renal infarcts in the right kidney and renal infarcts in the left kidney. So multiple infarcts, patients with IV drug abuse, post-operative patients, post-trauma patients. Infarcts at times can be confused with focal pyelonephritis. They can be confused with um, infectious etiologies, like an abscess. Uh, usually the history is helpful, but usually it's the sharp margination, and in this case, the fact you're seeing processes involving more than one organ. Very nicely shown here, and then again, very nicely shown as we go to the volume rendered image. Another example, look at this case. Beautiful decreased function left kidney. It's very segmental, though a large part of the kidney is involved. This is infarcts. I'll show it to you in 3D. Look how nicely it is. And again, just like the prior case, you can see the thrombus in the patient's left main renal artery. Again, MIP imaging really accentuates the perfusion changes. Good role for MIP. And this patient had a double whammy. Look at the chest. There's a thrombus in the left atrial appendage. And the patient has an anomalous right coronary arising off the left cusp, which is a typical malignant variety, and the patient will need surgery. So really, this patient had everything going wrong. 
What about this case? Patient with aortic aneurysm repair. Look at the left kidney. You see, you really don't see much kidney. There's rim enhancement. That's that rim sign I spoke about. Here it is beautifully on the coronal view. That's global infarction of the kidney. You only have some enhancement around the capsular vessels and so the rim. And here you can see the patient had aortic aneurysm repair and the left renal artery was occluded at its origin. So there's no way of saving this kidney. You usually have a few hours, six hours at most. And so this patient would need a nephrectomy because this typically becomes infected and was a source of the patient's fever. We can see infarcts, again, talking vascular, dissection, taking out part of the kidney by taking out one of the renal arteries. And you can see very nicely on the first image, you would think it's the entire kidney that's infarcted. Second image, you can see there are multiple renal arteries must be present. And so really only a part of the kidney was infarcted and a lot of it functions well. So a really nice study. What else in terms of the acute abdomen? Well, renal stone disease is one of the more common reasons for CT, rule out stones. And we talk about this RSNA exhibit we have of where things are obstructed, proximal, mid, distal. And with stone disease, you could have stone obstruction at any of those key points, though most common is at the UPJ, it's at the UVJ, and it's just where the ureter crosses into the pelvic at the pelvic rim. And you could see just some of the lists of different things. Now, with obstruction from stones, typically there's not medial deviation. There could be lateral deviation of the ureters, or just ureter, because usually it's one-sided, because the ureter is so distended, it just kind of tracks to the side. Lateral distension usually is something we think about. Big nodes, maybe lymphoma, prostate cancer, something like that. And medial deviation, we spoke about things like retroperitoneal fibrosis, uh, stones that we really don't think about a whole lot of deviation. So it's something to think about. And as I mentioned, here are the common locations for where stones will indeed obstruct. Now, in terms of stone disease, good article published a couple months ago talking what do surgeons need to know, well, the presence or absence of calculi, location, number of stones, stone diameter, and the presence of additional findings such as acute polynephritis. Now, can you miss stones on CT? I guess so. Uh, if stones aren't, opaque and a small percent of stones about one percent can be pure matrix stones or stones associated with protease inhibitor indivar which was given for aids patients but most stones are opaque and you should be able to see them even when they're small and this article the authors make the point not only does this study enable the detection of stone of all sizes and he's referring to ct but its area of examination from above the kidneys to below the bladder base it enables the evaluation of other urinary and extra urinary abnormalities that may be contributing to the symptoms of acute flank pain so the authors were very positive about using ct and they were urologists and you can see even when i do contrast early on as long as the kidney is not excreting Particularly when I do reconstructions, it's very easy for me to see the presence of calculi. There's a larger one, a centimeter, in the patient's left renal pelvis. This is a smaller one, non-contrast CT. Sometimes you're uncertain, is a stone in or near the ureter? Usually it's not a challenge, but if you're uncertain, just do reconstructions. You can see image on your right, and in these two images, the stone is nicely in the ureter. There's proximal obstruction and a transition at the level of the stone. Another example, you can see here cortical measure differentiation, left hydronephrosis, but there's the stone. Okay, not a problem. As long as the patient is not excreting contrast, here's the 3D of that. 
the non excreting contrast, it's easy to see the stones. Once they excrete contrast, it can be a bit trickier. You kind of recognize as a filling defect in the proximal left ureter, but potentially you can walk by it. There's no hydronephrosis. Maybe you thought it was an artifact, but whatever. Now, most of the time we speak about stone disease, we talk about solitary stones or multiple stones. Sometimes the patient has large stones, so-called staghorn calculi, or multiple stones, often associated with infection, often associated with XGP. Patients could have infection, patients could have obstruction, one part of the stone can pass. So it's a very important diagnosis. Here you can see multiple stones, thinning of the cortex, sort of a chronic pattern of loss of tissue in a patient with stone disease. And again, sometimes these stones are very dense, measuring up to bone density or beyond bone density, measuring up to 1,000. Nice example there. And it's surprising, sometimes you give contrast, and actually there's pretty good function in this patient's kidneys, despite the presence of these very large stones. So that actually is, is not all that surprising. It indeed can occur. And here's just a few more images. I think when I see large stones, I'm not so much worrying about associated tumor, but I'm worrying about missing potentially infection. So I'll make certain I widen the window. I'll make certain I look carefully at the peri and parirenal spaces. I'll make certain that I'm looking very carefully at the changes in enhancement. But that typically is not too much of an issue. Now what else? Additional directions. Well, we can use dual energy CT for stone composition. So that's one of the things people are often interested in. Is a stone uric acid or not? It would be treated differently than a typical calcium stone. So we can do that with dual energy CT. Also, a number of articles have spoken now about using low-dose CT techniques, often with interim reconstruction for doing uh, CT, maybe virtual non-contrast. Many things spoken about, but again, there is a lot of work going on. The last thing I'll mention, I spoke about the adrenals. I spoke about the kidneys. Let me speak about the bladder a bit. We showed you a case of emphysematous pyelonephritis. Emphysematous cystitis is uncommon. It's a rare complication of urinary tract infections. It's characterized by the spontaneous gas formation in the bladder due to bacterial fermentation. Almost up to 80% of these patients are diabetic and more commonly in female. There's not much written about it. It can be in the wall. It can be in the lumen, the air. Emphysematous cystitis is a rare clinical entity more common in diabetics. And immunosuppressed patients, conservative treatment approach using antibiotics and bladder catheterization is typically successful with a complication rate of only 18.8%. It does make the point these patients can be treated aggressively. We used to talk about cystectomy, very much like emphysematous pyelonephritis, emphysematous cholecystitis. You think of big surgeries. Well, you don't always need to do it. I think at times it can be a tricky diagnosis. What if a patient had a Foley in place and there was some air in the bladder? But here you recognize the bladder walls thicken and the air is really mottled. That model appearance looks like emphysematous polynephritis. I showed you a few moments ago. This just doesn't look right. You've got to be thinking emphysematous cystitis, which this indeed was. Remember, that's a surgical emergency at times. It's surely a treatment emergency when in doubt make the possible diagnosis suggested. That becomes critical, and here you can see it very nicely again in 3D mapping. Now with emphysematous cystitis, one issue sometimes is the bladder's not distended. You have to be careful. You don't want to overcall it. Sometimes collapsed bowel loops nearby can fool you. Sometimes the patient had a recent catheterization, can fool you. But here you see air in the bladder wall, and here you see it again. 
And here you really can see it. This is a wonderful example. Immunosuppressed patient had prior contrast-enhanced skin a day earlier. But look at that air in the bladder wall. Easy to see even with the beam-hardening artifacts present. Just a wonderful example and some of the air tracking in the pelvis. Just a very, very nice study. Now, with inflammatory disease, the bladder is also involved beyond just cystitis. Here's a good example when you look quickly at this case. Two images, you might say, bladder cancer, can't argue with you. But when you see things in the interior aspect of the bladder, think urachal carcinoma, possibility. But you also need to look carefully and think about possible fistulization. The classic thing is a fistula to the sigmoid colon. Left side, we talk about diverticulitis, the most common. Right side, we talk about Crohn's disease. Beautiful example. Could this be a tumor of the colon invading the bladder? I guess so. But with this fistulous tract, with this soft tissue mass, you've got to be thinking about infection. But I'll tell you, if you told me this was bladder cancer invading the colon, um, I, I could be wrong. But again, the treatment is the same, surgical resection. But it's something good to represent and recommend. And just look at this beautiful example. It's the same case. Here it's really convincing it's diverticulitis with a fistula between bladder and colon as a complication. Beautiful example. We talk about bladder cancer, and I'll just make a few points. One of the reasons on uh, patients over 50, we scan the entire abdomen early phase, is because bladder, bladder cancers can enhance. Now, this one's enhancing slightly, and they're not super vascular, but they enhance up to about 110. This is a larger one. It's easy to see, and I'll show it to you very nicely on the delayed phase imaging as well. Very, very nice example. Classic bladder carcinoma. And here it is again on excretory phase, very nicely with a CT urogram. So CT is very good for looking at bladder cancers. Things that can be confused, blood clots can be in the bladder. You can see an example here. But it looks amorphous, it looks irregular. So there are other things we can think about as filling defects. Other things in the GU tract, in the male we talk about prostate abscess. In the female, we talk about PID, and I won't want to spend much time on that, but just to make the point, when you're looking for sources of the patient's acute abdomen, in the male, look carefully at the prostate and seminal vesicles. In the women, look at the uterus and look at the ovaries. Make sure you're not dealing with a tubal ovarian abscess. We do see them on CT. CT is very good. Is the study of choice? No, but often that's not the presentation. You see a thick-walled mass in the adnexal lesion, region. You see fluid. You see septi. You can see air bubbles. And just here's a very nice example of a tubal ovarian abscess. Really nice example. Young patient, you're not thinking about ovarian carcinoma. can look the same sometimes. And here's just a few more of the images. With PID, it often enhances significantly, displaces the colon, there's commonly free fluid. Just a wonderful example of PID. So hopefully then I've showed you a number of causes of the acute abdomen focused on the GU tract. I've did some kidney, and I did some ureter, and I did some bladder, and I did some adrenal, and I snuck in the prostate and the seminal vesicles, and the ovary and the uterus. Uh, it's important to think about strange presentations. I mentioned adrenal hemorrhage. Uh, often these studies are not done as dedicated renal or adrenal studies. It's in the ER under that rule out anything. So you really need to be careful. Uh, sometimes you may need delayed scans. It may not be the optimal study, but I think you can do a really good job and at least surely find the correct diagnosis. And with that, I'll stop and thank you very much and hope you enjoyed both of these talks. Thanks a lot.